Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. So yesterday we were at our basketball league, and I was wearing my t-shirt, one of my t-shirts, and somebody asked me, what, is that, what does that say on your t-shirt? And uh, it says, Shamaria, which is our last name, of course. And on the bottom it says, Cousins Camp. Outwit, outplay, and outlast. Well, we have a, uh, we've done this twice now, so I guess it's a tradition, where when all the kids are here from uh, Michigan, and everybody's here, and all the grandchildren are here, uh, we organize sort of a Shamaria Olympics, maybe a Survivor Light or something, you know, then um, we'd break up in teams, and we did it a couple of years ago, and we did it again this last year. And so Chris has a friend does T-shirts, so everybody in the family got one of these T-shirts, and we wore with our family name, Outwit, Outplay, Outlast. And I think the team I was on came uh, last Outwit, last Outplay, and last Outlast. <laughs> but, you know, that's the way it goes. Um, you have a name. I have a name. We all have names, right? How did you get your name? How did you, any of you vote for your name? Any of you have a contest and say, no, you, you, you received your name because it was given to you. Somebody had the right to name you. If you were born into a family with the last name, uh, that's the last name that you were given. And on your birth certificate, a uh, name was put down, and it was a name that somebody chose for you. Somebody has the right to grant a name to somebody else. They have that right because of their authority, their position of leadership, their legal right. They have that right. Who has the right to name God? Who has the right? Who has the authority to name God? Let's pray. Father, as we open your word, we pray, Lord, that you would bless your word to our hearts. We pray that our hearts would be open to your word. And we pray as we learn scriptures together and apply them to our lives, that our lives would bring honor to your name, for your name alone is worthy. That's why we have gathered and praise your name today. In Christ our Savior's name we pray. Amen. Now before we consider this, we've been learning verses together, right? And uh, if you have had a chance to share with us in this, uh, we've gone through a couple hundred sets, I think, of our Bible verses that have been taken and there's a few more out there today. There's not too many left. If you'd like to join us, um, but if you could, uh, if you'd like to say last week's verse with me, and I'm going to put it up here. So if you need a little help, if not, you can look. You can look at my eyes. Okay. All right. There is Isaiah six three. We're calling one to another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full. Of his glory. Thank you. I, yes, I say Isaiah 6, 3. Some of you have been trained very well. Okay? You say the reference before, you say the reference after. They were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. I'd like us to look at um, Exodus chapter 3 this morning to begin our lesson. Exodus Chapter 3. 
Now this is the story, we're jumping in the middle of a context, of the story of Moses and his call to ministry. Moses is 80 years old. Moses, from 0 to 40, lived in Pharaoh's court. And at 40 years old, he had to leave. Remember the story where two uh, the, uh, Egyptians were beating a Hebrew slave, and he intervened on behalf of the Hebrew slave. Tells us an Acts, tells us an Acts in Peter's, uh, in uh, Stephen's speech, that he thought Israel would understand that he was going to lead them to victory. He did this. He crossed over on purpose and joined his people, as even though he was part of Pharaoh's court. And when he did this, he was run out of the country, of course, and he was afraid. He left. He went to Midian. For the next 40 years in the desert of Midian, he served as a shepherd. That's where his life was going to end. That's where he was finished. And at 80 years old, he was in the, shep- in the fields keeping his, sh- his sheep, watching over his flocks as a Bedouin almost uh, a shepherd. And it's at that time, we see in chapter 1, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro's father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And then he came, and in verse, chapter, in verse 2, there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses looked at this bush that was burning up, but it wasn't burning up. It was on fire. It was consumed with fire, but it wasn't burning. And he knew this was something special. And the voice called from him from out of that bush and said, Moshe, Moshe, who, here I am, Lord, here I am. And he took off his shoes, and the Lord said to him when he came over, and he told him to take off his shoes, you are standing on holy ground. And he had an encounter with God. There's a fire in the bush was burning, and God's presence was in that. We, we, our verse, the whole earth is full of his glory. And in this particular case, we talked about God can be everywhere, and God can be anywhere. And God was in this bush at that particular time that was burning up, and his presence was in that bush. And Moses stood before that bush. And it's in this particular context that Moses receives the call of God to go back to the Israelites. They are slaves. Hundreds of thousands of people. They're slaves in Egypt. They have no power. They have no authority. They have no rights. They are slaves. The Egyptian economy is dependent on these slaves. And he is to go back and to lead this over a million people out of Egypt to go ask Pharaoh, can I take all your slaves and take them away from you? And he gets this call, and of course Moses is not going to do it. And Moses has questions for God. He's, he questions, who am I that I should do this? I'm nobody. Who am I? I'm a shepherd. No one's going to listen to me. God says, I will be with you. In verse 12, I will be with you. Who am I? I will be with you. Moses, in verse 13, Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites. Let's just suppose for a minute I do this, God. (laughs) Let's pretend I go for a minute, okay? And I go there, and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And then they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? You see, all the gods had names. Moses' people lived in Egypt. Egypt was full of gods. Canaan was full of gods. Midian was full of gods. We have a little hard time maybe connecting culturally with this concept. But in, in the old world, everybody had a god. Everybody had an eye. And, and it wasn't a matter of your god didn't exist, your god didn't exist, my god. That's fine. Your god exists, your god exists, my god exists. And we know which god is stronger because whoever wins, your god is stronger, obviously. And they just accepted. They all had gods. 
It was a land full of gods. Israel had a God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. It's been 400 years they've been in slavery. They have been disconnected from the land of Canaan. They're slaves in Egypt. And probably most of the people are not worshiping God. Some are, like his parents, clearly. And he says, when I go back to them and I call the elders, I call the leaders of the tribes together, and I say, God has called me to take you out of Egypt. And they're going to say, who? What's his name? Who is this God? Who is he? What's his name? First question Moses had is, who am I? Second question is, who are you? (laughs) Who are you? What's your name? And in verse 14, we see this. Actually, we're not seeing anything. (laughs) Are you guys seeing something I'm not seeing? No. What's going on? Anything going on back there? Well, that's not. We're not seeing the words. All right. Well, I'll read them to you. Okay. Verse 14. I was going to have them up there so you could see them. In verse, in verse four, in verse 14, God said to Moses, "I am who I am." This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. And then you tell them, I am has sent me to you. It's an interesting, in the Hebrew language, it's, it's ehyah, asher, ehyah. It's the word ehyah twice. The word, the word simply is to be. It's the word to be, to exist. You tell them that, that I am the one who, who is. I am who I am. I am becoming who I am becoming. I, I, I will be with you is who I will be. There are different ways of understanding it. It's this, it's this phrase that is duplicated. I am who I am. That's who I am. And you tell them simply that I am. That I am. I am is my name. In the Hebrew also, it's simply, it's four consonants. It's very hard. To, we don't really know how they pronounce it. It's it, the, the four consonants. At the end of this verse here, he says, you tell them simply, I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, God said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. From now on, this is my name. This is my personal name. And it's simply this, I am. In the Hebrew, it's four letters, Y-H-W-H. It's all consonants. Hebrew wasn't written with vowels. The old Hebrew language, there was no vowels in it. It was a vocal language, and you just knew what they were. You just knew what the vowels were from from knowing it and reciting it. But they were never written out until many, many centuries later when when the rabbis added them to help us. How do you pronounce Y-H-W-H with no vowels? That's why you've probably heard the term Yahweh, because they assumed that the vowels that were included were, were those two vowels. The Jews quit saying that name. By the time of the, by the time of by the time of the rabbis and the time of Christ and during that time period, they quit pronouncing the name of God out of, out of respect, and uh, and they, they just quit saying it, and they would pronounce Adonai instead, as I told you. So we don't really know how they said it, but it's probably came out something like Yahweh, and that's what you'll see in some of your translations. God said to Moses, "You tell them, Yahweh, that's my name. I am." 
I am is my name forever. This is it forever, my name. This is my personal name. This gift I am giving you, Moses. I have never told anybody this, but I'm telling you, this is my name. And I want this name to go before the children of Israel. And the children of Israel are going to be associated forever with this name, Yahweh, the God of Israel. That's why in your Bible, you'll notice in your translations, Anytime you see that, it's in all capital letters. Anytime you see the name Lord, as you see there, for example, in verse 16, go assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers. You see that in all caps, small caps like that, that indicates that's the Hebrew Yahweh. When it's capital L and small, small O-R-D, then it's Adonai, which is another name for Lord or Master. I am, I am with you. And God was with him. It's interesting. He goes back to he goes back to Pharaoh, and when he goes when he goes to Pharaoh and he says, "God, what am I going to?" Chapter four. He continues his his reason why he shouldn't go back, why he shouldn't go back. But he finally does he finally does go back, and in chapter five, uh, actually, the reason he goes back is God says, "Moses, you're going back." You know, and I've told you before, but I still think one of the greatest greatest titles ever written um, in a book was. Here am I, send Aaron. Okay, right? Here am I, send Aaron. Because, uh, because like we saw last week in Isaiah, Isaiah says, Here am I, send me. Moses says, I'm not going. Finally, God gets angry. He says, You are going. And Aaron's going to meet you. And he's going to be the spokesman because you refuse to go. You are going, Moses. And he goes. And in chapter 5, it says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron, after they talked to the, the leaders of Israel, they went to the Pharaoh and they said, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. Let my people go, so they may hold a festival to me in the desert. Now look at Pharaoh's response. Pharaoh said, Pharaoh didn't say, Yahweh doesn't exist. No, what Pharaoh says is, who is Yahweh? I've never heard of him. Who is Yahweh that I should obey him? And I should let Israel go. I do not know Yahweh, and I will not let Israel go. And they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go. And the king of Egypt says, no, you're not, you're not going anywhere. And, of course, then the contest takes place between God and Pharaoh. And it is a contest between God and Pharaoh. And for the next year, over a year, the land of Egypt is devastated by the plagues. And the plagues, each one of those plagues, many people have done study on this, each one of those plagues takes place on one of the gods of Egypt. The land of Egypt had many gods, the frogs, the cattle, the sky, everything, there were all these different gods represented. And each plague was a plague upon one of their gods. Pharaoh says, I don't know Yahweh. I don't know Yahweh. Who is he that I should obey Yahweh? And finally, when the contest is over, you know what happens. They let the Israelites go. And then he relents, but then he changes his mind, and his army is drowned in the Red Sea, and Israel is free to go out to the desert, to worship Yahweh, their own God. He's the God of the universe. We've seen that in our verses, right? His glory fills the entire earth. His glory fills the world. His grace and truth fill the world. His mercy fills the world. And he also is their special God. He has called them to himself to be his chosen people, to represent him. They are to represent God. 
and their lives, their nation, their people, by keeping His laws, by obeying Him, by doing the things God has laid out for them, they are to represent God. They are to be the face of God, if you will, to the people as they look upon Israel and see the children of Israel serving and representing Yahweh. I am who I am. I am present is who I am. I am present with you. I am your God is who I am. And I want you to turn this morning to Psalm 115. So in Psalm 115, we have the, the message of the psalmist. And we're going to talk about the contrast between the gods and their God, our God. And I want you to look at Psalm 115, and I want you to look at verse 2. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Where is Israel's God? The response is, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But look at their God. Look at the gods of this world. Look at the idols. And look how the psalmist describes the idols. Their idols are silver and gold. They are made by the hands of men. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. Nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Who makes them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. The idols that were created, the idols that were created to represent their gods came in all sorts of various forms. These idols came in male and female. They came in animals. They came in representative of things in nature. But they all had one thing in common. They were manufactured by people who were made in the image of God and they were worshipped, but they couldn't do anything. I mean, look, look, I was thinking about this list here and I was thinking about the God. It begins just by saying, the nations say, where is their God? And the psalmist says, our God is in the heavens. Our God is, is, is transcendent in that sense is that, that we don't see him. He's in the heavens. He will manifest himself. And we've seen this, how he manifests himself. He manifests himself to Moses in the burning bush. Later, Moses sees his glory as it passes by. We see the Lord Jesus Christ as the image of the invisible God. But he says, our God is in the heavens. And I want you to stop and think. Look at the description of these gods and think about the God of the Bible. In verse, once again, back to verse 5. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. God spoke to Moses. You can't see him. He's not an image, but he speaks. They heard his voice. Moses heard his voice. I don't know that Moses ever heard his voice before. How did he know it was God? He heard the voice of God. Abraham heard the voice of God. Adam and Eve heard the voice of God. He speaks. Their gods have mouths. They can't speak. But our God, he speaks. Their gods have eyes, and they can't see. But our God, the Bible says that God sees everything that is going on in the earth. 
the Lord sees, the Lord says he sees every sparrow that falls to the ground. Their gods have eyes, but they can't see. Our God has eyes and he can see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. The Lord hears their cry. The Bible says their cry came up to God. He heard their cry. Their gods have ears, but they can't hear. But our God can hear everything. They have noses, but they cannot smell. The offerings, it says in the temple, were a sweet savor, a sweet smell to our God. He could smell them, but their gods could not. They have hands, but they cannot feel. And our Bible says that God created, he took Adam and Eve and he created he created Eve from the rib of Adam. He, took, he did these things. Moses was complaining to God. says, God, these people want food. They want food. And God says, I will give them food. And Moses says, God, where are you going to get food to, to feed a million people? Where are you going to do this? And the Lord says, Moses, has the hand of the Lord been shortened since last time I did these miracles for you? Has the hand of God? No, God can do these things. Their gods have hands but they can't do anything. But our God can. Their God has feet, but they cannot walk. And our God walked in that Garden of Eden looking for Adam. Adam, where are you? Where are you? Their gods have voices. They cannot utter a sound. But our God, who made humanity in His image. And we think of the, the wonderful truth that our God has persona. Our God has personality. Our God is real. Our God is a personal God, but he is the God of the universe. And we were made in his image. And it has something to tell us about our God in some way. But instead, they carved idols and they bowed down and they worshiped these idols who they made in their image, who couldn't do anything. The psalmist says, verse 9, O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. Trust in God. He is their help and shield. O house of Aaron, the high priest, trust in the Lord. He is their shield and help, their help and their shield. You who fear him, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. The Lord remembers us and will bless us, house of Israel. This is our God. And so that takes us back to verse 1. This is our memory verse for this week. Our memory verse for this coming week, and this will be the last of our Old Testament ones uh, here. We've been talking about the attributes of God. And this week, our memory verse, verse 1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Why? Because of your love and your faithfulness. Not to us. We don't make gods in our image. We don't worship ourselves. We don't worship humanity. We should not worship humanity. Not to us. O Lord, Yahweh. You notice this in caps. Not to us, Yahweh. Not to us, but to your name. To your name. To your name. Be the glory. Why? Because of your love and faithfulness. The word here we've seen before. Your hesed. Your faithfulness and your emets. Your goodness. These two words are overlapping. They go together. Really, I think, I think the best translation has in mind this idea 
of God's faithfulness, His goodness, His kindness, which is His love. His kindness and love and faithfulness to to you and to me, to Israel, to God's people. Why? Because He gave them His name. His name, I am who I am. I am with you is who I am. Yahweh, I am. And it's because of your name, God, that we are to represent to the world, Israel. So we want to bring glory and honor to your name. And in fact, this is the challenges that came to Israel. The challenge that came to Israel is God gave them his name and they, did, they ended up not representing him. Paul the Apostle tells us they, they profaned his name by their actions, by worshiping false gods. They were to represent God. They were to be his people, his chosen people, his chosen vessel. And God always maintained a remnant of those people that represented him. They were to represent God. Not to us, O Lord. Not to us. But to your name be the glory. Why? Because of your love and faithfulness. This is our God. This is the God of the Old Testament. And our Lord Jesus Christ came incarnate in flesh and represented God and became human, but he was still God. And you know, he had a name, didn't he? He had a name. Mary, we've just celebrated this at Christmas time. Mary conceived with the Holy Spirit. She was pregnant with God's child, the miraculous virgin birth. She was going to have a baby. What do you call God? What do you name him? Who has the right to name him? See, God gave his name to to Moses because only God has the right to name God. No one is greater than God. Who names the baby? And the angel comes to them and to Joseph and he tells them, you will name him and you will give him the name Yeshua, Joshua, Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And that baby that grew up as a human being, but fully God, bore the name Jesus. Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Jesus. And his title was Christ. Christos, Messiah, the Savior. Yeshua, Christos, Jesus, the Savior. And this is the name that he bore. And friends, just as God called Israel to represent God to their people because they they had his name given to them, we today, as a body of Christ, the people of God, we also have a name. We are the church, the body of God. Christ. Jesus Christ. And look at Philippians chapter 2. And we consider what God has given us and what God has called us, not to our name, but to his name be the glory because of his faithfulness. And in Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul, as he writes to this church at Philippi and speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice how he begins this. Because you see, we, we should, if we bear a name, it, it should mean something. You know, if I, if I wore this Shamaria t-shirt every day and wore it all over the place, and I lived a life of, of, of horrible disrespect and hatred, and I treated people unkind, and I was mean, mean-spirited, and all these different things, I, that wouldn't be a very proud name. Someone would say, hey, aren't you a Shamaria? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't know that, I don't know that one. You know, you want to be careful. You bear a name. 
And look what he says. Paul says, your attitude, your attitude, Christ ones, Christians, your attitude should be exactly the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself, he made himself nothing. He took the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We call ourselves Christ ones, Christians. That means we represent Jesus Christ. We bear his name. We bear his name. And our lives, as we learned the verse this week, my friends, our lives should be an example, not to us, not to us, but to his name should be all the glory. There is something about the way we conduct ourselves. There's something about the way we live. There's something about the way we love. There's something about the way we sacrifice. There's something about the way we share humility as Jesus Christ did. There's something about that that should radiate about us that we are Christ ones. We bear his name. It is the only name. And the Apostle Paul says it is the name that is above all names. And that's why he concludes in verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It is God's purpose. The psalmist says, Our God is in heaven and he does whatever he pleases. And God has been pleased to put his name in us and to act, to cause us and anything in our lives, friends, anything in our lives that is worth anything in terms of representing Jesus Christ is also because of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible tells us that God has put it in us both to do and to will according to his good pleasure. Our lives should live out Psalm 115.1. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory because of your faithfulness and your goodness. And friends, that means in all aspects of life, the hardest things in life, that God allows us to go through, the hardest, the most difficult things, the greatest joys in our life, everything about it should ultimately be part of bringing glory to his name and that God has manifested himself in us. We have a wonderful high calling and privilege to serve the Lord, to walk with him. And the the Apostle Paul says that we are to have the same attitude of Jesus Christ. And friends, if we this week have that attitude, Begin with those closest to us, in our family, in our neighborhood, in our schools, with those we rub shoulders with every day. 
if we begin at that place to have that humility and the love of Jesus Christ, his name will be lifted up. It's one thing to memorize the verses, but it's another thing to have them be a part of our life and to be used by God to remind us to live a life pleasing to God. What a a privilege we have to bear the name Christ ones. Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Come and close this service with your final hymn this morning. We sing together. We lift our voices to God. We worship God and we lift his name. Every time we sing and join our voices, let's lift our voices and worship the only name that is worthy of our praise. Would you please stand with us once again? Amen. Hallelujah. That song's got a beautiful message. Hey, uh, can you put the the second to the very last stanza before? Back up one more. That one there. Look at that. To write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry if that were the ink, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. We're talking about God's love, His faithfulness, and His goodness and kindness. Are you glad today God's been faithful to you? Can you say amen? Amen. God's been faithful to you. And God's going to be faithful to your children and to your grandchildren. And to the next generation until he returns. God is good. He is good all the time. His name. His name is the only name that is worthy of our praise and worthy of our lives to live a life that pleases God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We are a humble people to think that you have chosen to put your name in us. Just as the sons of Israel bore the name of Yahweh, and we bear that name today, we bear the name Jesus Christ, Savior, for he shall save his people from their sins. Christ, the Anointed One. We are Christians. We are Christ ones. We are members of his body, the church, the body of Christ, which means we are members of one another as well. We are a family of God. And Father, we pray that our lives this week would bring glory to your name in the smallest thing, not not just the big things, but in the smallest things, the smallest opportunities we have when no one else is going to know to demonstrate your love and kindness that is worthy of your name. We thank you for drawing us together. We go forth into the mission field to serve and to walk with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.